that's what I found really awakening with doing the strength finder is no, these are actually strengths which can be perceived as weaknesses in your current role. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. We get questions every week about assessments, particularly the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. Is it accurate? Will it tell me what type of career I should focus on? How do I use it outside of my work? All good questions. However, we thought it would be better to show you how people can use strengths, what they are, how they work, and even incorporate them into things like, I don't know, interviews and everything else. And we also thought it would be best if we showed you this real time. I don't get that time to be strategic or positive, pushing things forward in a positive light. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about the role I'm interviewing for is I was so energized by I'm planning something positive for the community to utilize in the future. That's Bree Hunter from Tasmania. She's worked for the city of Hobart in a role that used to be great for her, but no longer fits what she wants. What you'll hear is us doing an actual recorded coaching session where she had just taken the Clifton Strength Finder assessment and is trying to figure out how she can use the results. You'll want to listen pretty close to this conversation because there's, there's a pretty big surprise at the end. Here's our conversation and coaching session. Take a listen as a fly on the wall. So yeah, I really enjoyed the Strength Finder test. I found that really useful to sort of pull a few things together and think that you're kind of already feeling but haven't really been able to articulate or put into some sort of framework. Yeah, very cool. And if I have this up here correctly, it looks like your strengths themes from Strength Finder were learner, harmony, restorative, positivity, and individualization. Does that sound right? That's right. Yep. Very cool. So then the other thing that I saw from the email that you sent a little bit earlier today, or let's see here, was that you're hoping to get a little bit better understanding of how you can actually leverage these. So now that you have the ability to articulate them a little bit differently, how do you actually use these things? And then it sounds like currently you are... Well, I mean, obviously you got another job interview coming up here, but your your past role or current role feels like it is not the right fit for several reasons. Yeah. And you talked about workplace culture and did you use the term busy work? Is that what it was? I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And All it's right. just a, a case of I've been in this role for I don't, two and a half years now. And before that, I was still sort of connected to this role. And I loved it for a period of time. And it's just, I've changed and grown, I guess. So it's time to take on a new a new challenge. And I was acting in the role I'm applying for, or that I'm interviewing for later today. And that's where I found it really energized me, the things that I was doing. And then having done the Strength Finder, it just backed up why those particular functions were energizing me. What were some of those functions? 
working with the community. So it was project managing the planning phase of new projects and I was working on new mountain bike tracks. So I got to do all the community consultation and the planning around that and I really enjoyed getting feedback from the community and advocating for what they wanted and also, you know, within, I work for city council, pulling people together within council to get the project going. Like I don't hold claim to hold the expertise. I really rely on other people's expertise and getting the right people together to make something happen and just sort of facilitating that process. Mm, Okay. All right. That makes sense then. So let me ask you a few questions then. Yes. And then I think I can help with a few of these things. First of all, okay. quick, just clarifying question. The role that you're interviewing for, is that in the same organization or is that in a different organization? It's the same organization, but it's at the moment I'm in operations at like a depot sort of setting. And that role would be in the town office away from operations. Okay. Very good. So let's see if we can leave a a little bit of time in terms of working up to how you talk about strengths in interview, because it's different than how most people would think. Very often, I find that many of us perceive that we're going to need to talk about them extensively and use like the right words so that it perfectly matches up to our strengths and everything. And I find that there's much easier, much more organic ways to be able to leverage your strengths in your interview. So let's see if we can leave a few minutes to to talk about that towards the end. And then in the meantime, let's see if we can get to the bottom of, of some of these strengths and even understand them a little bit deeper so that we can figure out how to answer some of the other, other questions in terms of what is right for you. Is that fair? Excellent. Okay. Cool. So Along those lines, then, you said it sounded like a lot of these, when you read them, do line up. Are there any in particular that that you find don't match up for one reason or another? I guess that's question number one. No, I think they all line up. Yeah. Okay, great. What about then out of these five that you have on this list, are there any that resonate with you more so than the others? I would say learner, restorative, and individualization. Okay. So tell me about each one of those. Let's start with individualization. So what about that really feels like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is clearly, clearly high resonating or high priority. Okay. It resonates because in my job I manage a team of people. And I really enjoy leading people and I like resolving conflicts. I like pairing people together that might you might not think suit each other, but I can see they've got particular strengths or weaknesses that counterbalance one another. And a lot of that comes from just my own experience working in small teams. What else? I think everyone's unique. I enjoy learning from other people's experiences and learning learning from that. And at the same time, I really enjoy having responsibility that I sort of have control for the end product and making sure that things are completed. Yeah, yep. that makes a ton of sense. Those are all those things, particularly. <laughs> 
I think that everyone is unique. Those are those are things that somebody who can't help but individualize would say. That's very individualistic okay. of you, Brie. Um, okay. So what about the other two? I want to just understand just a little bit more, and then I've got a few questions that that I want to help take us a little bit deeper on these. Okay. As far as the learner, I'm just sort of skimming what it says makes you stand yeah. out. I love learning, but as it said in there, which I thought was interesting, I actually enjoy the process of learning. Like I might not retain all the information, but I love the activity of it and particularly things that I'm interested in. Like for the last probably 18 months, I've really been interested in, in leadership and management and learning tools and ways to, to grow in that space. But I particularly like to learn about myself and how to improve myself and then helping other people improve themselves as well. Where have you seen that really, what's an example of where you've seen that really recently that like, oh, if only I could do more of that? (laughs) Well, it's funny because I've also been listening to a bit of your coaching series. I find my favorite part of the day is not busy working, getting things done, but it's the interactions that I have with people and I could easily stop and spend a fair bit of time just learning about them and learning from them and seeing where they're at. So somewhat taking conversations off track of work and really finding more about who they are and learning from from their experiences and also asking them sort of questions that might point out things that they hadn't thought of before or realized. And it's a shame that I can't I'm very aware and trying to be time efficient with what I do. So I only have so much time that I can take out to have those conversations. That's super interesting then. One, that you have already recognized that. But I think that one of the things that as coaches that we look for, just to give you a glimpse behind the scenes, we're looking for where are the anomalies? And one of the places that we find anomalies a lot of the time is where are those places within your current work that you keep gravitating towards, but don't necessarily have enough time for it. And it feels like you perpetually don't have enough time for it. So that's in my mind, as you say that, that's one of the things I hone in on and want to know more because that is likely where we're finding those anomalies you know, from the... Mm-hmm. As I'm explaining what I'm doing for coaching, I guess, at the same time here. Yeah. So tell me more about that then. Where do you find out of those types of interactions that you are adding value to someone else's world too, where you're getting either feedback or thank yous or things like that with those types of interactions where you get to learn about them and ask them questions, as you said, but you're sort of taking conversations off track and it's not a normal part of your job per se. I guess sort of more the coaching style I've talked a lot about in management courses these days. Sure. Pulling more information out and asking them like you're doing to me, the questions that they might have in the back of their mind but haven't had to answer before and helping clarify things for them. And I don't get to, like I often deal with members of the public and so I don't always get to do that with them because I I might be trying to negotiate a particular issue or something that they're not happy with. So I often use this 
strength of mind to build a rapport with them quickly to let them know that I understand their issues. And I also realize that often people just want to voice their opinion, get something off their chest. So I guess I sort of use coaching techniques in that space to, Give me an to draw that. that. Cause it sounds like you're thinking about a few different times. What's a recent example <laughs> where you've done that? I manage fire in reserves and managing and mitigating fire which is in the urban interface. So often we're cutting down trees or slashing vegetation next to people's houses. So they get upset. So I go out and say, you know, this is what's happening and we have to, they might be planting trees on council land and we need to remove them. So getting them, you know, I mentioned how long have you lived here, sort of getting a picture of their connection to the property, then explaining the changes in our policy and why now all of a sudden we have to remove the vegetation, saying that, you know, I completely understand if I was, if this was happening next to my home, but then coming back to the facts of why it's really important that we need to do this. So I guess a bit of education, which often the public aren't aware of, you know, the the facts as to why we're doing particular things. And I guess just coming to an agreement and getting them to see my point of view as well as a land manager. And there's liability issues and it's concerning for us and I'm faced to to deal with this situation. I don't want to have to do it, but it's for their own safety. So this is super interesting. That one set of examples uses every single one of these strength themes. So if we break this apart for just a second here. And we look at that example where you've got to go talk to, it sounds like, you know, a property owner or somebody who's utilizing the piece of property or whatever else it is, and they're planting trees or, or whatever else is going on. You having that conversation, first of all, you're asking the types of questions other people don't ask. And I think that partially comes from your desire to learn, but I think that also comes from maybe even more so your tendency to want to individualize and really understand kind of the uniqueness. And then what has a tendency to happen is it sounds like you are you are leveraging that information that you accumulate through your desire to learn and your tendency to individualize. And then you ha- also have this desire in some ways, or you can't help but do it, even if desire is the wrong word, to have a a higher degree of ability to bring things back together for harmony. And (laughs) interestingly enough, like I can probably anybody can tell within 10 minutes of talking to you that you're generally a positive person. So uh, I, I can see a lot of the positivity pieces. We call the positivity and a few other strengths, we call them umbrella strengths because they have a tendency to just sort of go over the top of whatever else that you're doing and you can't it has a tendency to be difficult to separate it out whether you want to or not it's just going to kind of be there working amplifying other things in the background but does that make sense how that one example that you you gave me really is actually pulling from all five of these different areas it's not really just any one or two of these Mm, yeah no that's really interesting it was good to go through that exercise (laughs) have you ever thought about it in that way before No, I haven't. I haven't. And that really makes it quite clear. Now that's great. What is clear to you now versus before? I guess stepping through the process that I have when I speak to landowners about these issues 
And again, giving it that framework, which I often have trouble articulating, highlights each one of those steps, picks up one of those strengths. And so I'm really just stepping through those those strengths and bringing it all together at the end to create a positive, harmonious outcome. Hmm. What is What you'll find, or at least I think you'll find based on my experience in working with other people that have similar strengths to yours or this type of strengths combination is that you'll probably flourish in areas where you get to be proactive versus reactive. And here's what I mean by that. Um, And there's a couple other words we could use to describe it, maybe even better. When you are faced with a continuous sort of problems that are coming from a negative standpoint. And that's if that's mm-hmm. all you're doing all day, that's going to feel really, really draining on you because both your restorative nature and, and your harmony nature uh, going to want to pull it back to harmony or want to restore those, those situations. And if that's what you're doing all day long, where you are perpetually out of harmony, then that is going to, it's going to feel really, really like it takes a lot of energy and it's going to feel um, very, very much. Well, I think draining is the right word. I think that explains it perfectly. And that's why I struggle in my current role because it's all very reactive and it, it is draining. I don't get that time to be strategic or positive, pushing things forward in a positive light. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about the role I'm interviewing for is I was so energized by, you know, I'm planning something positive for the community to utilize in the future. And that was really energizing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just to give you a little bit of validation that the more that you can align yourself with those types of roles and organizations that are putting you in that more proactive standpoint, where you get to proactive and productive standpoint, where you get to work more on, hey, this is already good, but we need to make this even better. Or we need to take the situation, which is generally more on the positive side, and we need to move this agenda forward. Those are going to be better fits, better alignment for what you need and better play to your strengths. So I, I think one thing that if you haven't already got it written down someplace, capturing that you definitely need to be on more of the proactive side or the more positive making it better side is going to be something that is a must within your next role. If you don't get to spend the majority of your time there, it's going to be, it's going to feel like it does now or worse. Yeah. Now that's a really good point. And that's what surprised me about the strengths test with the, I think it was learner. I never had the confidence, I guess, or experience around strategic planning. And I've I thought it was something that, you know, I wasn't going to be very good at. But I I think this is where that comes through. Strategic, being strategic is just focusing on those things to improve, which is often in my current role, I get frustrated because I see all these things there that I I want to improve and but I just don't get the time. It's not the focus of the job. Yeah. And that's where I often feel like I'm not achieving things or I'm letting the team down because I'm not able to improve those things. Yes. So it, it feels almost like you're perpetually perpetually losing <laughs> in some yeah. ways. Yeah, even though others don't see that or think that. I ask yeah. feedback. Absolutely. I really internalize that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So 
I think that there's probably areas where we could dive much further, but I wanted to save a little bit of time so we could talk about how to leverage some of these things in the in the interview. But I, I think that the more that you can ask yourself those types of situations, like in my past roles, where have I find, found those small tidbits that I am gravitating towards? Or where have I found the small tidbits of enjoyment or the things that I'm particularly great at? And then break those apart and see which strengths are kind of coordinated with that. Then you'll be get to get you'll begin to get more answers about what really is going to be right for you within that next role too, whether it's the one you're interviewing for okay. or another one. Okay, yeah, that's good advice. So when okay. you think of interviewing, then to shift gears mm-hmm. on you now, what do you find you're having the most struggle in thinking about this idea of communicating your strengths or? getting across your strengths in interview and what is help me understand the desire there first well i don't know if they'll actually well they're not likely to ask the question of what do you feel your strengths are um, because they're uh-huh. company-based questions so i've got to be really conscious of knowing my strengths and throwing them into examples that i answer in the interview so if it's problem-solving question then talking them through the example, but being conscious of where you particularly highlight and say, because one of my strengths is such and such and such, I'm clearly, I have a ability to do this very well. And this is where that came through. I guess it's more, more in relation to that. I have a couple, if that's the case, then I have a couple ideas for you in terms of... Okay things that I can teach you fairly quickly that might be really useful to you immediately this afternoon. One of the things that I find is that when you communicate that I enjoy or I love something, people automatically assume that you are good at it. That's our our tendency and a bit of our human nature. So they don't necessarily always think about it in those terms, but that's the association they get along with it or the feeling that they get as well. They don't necessarily in their brain say, well, she loves that. So she must be good at that. That's not how the, that's not how the self-talk works necessarily. But that is one of the things that we find over, over lots of years of testing this stuff out and knowing some of the psychology behind it too. So knowing that you can leverage that immediately in your next interview. So if they ask, you know, what's you, you were talking about like a problem solving question, right? So what uh, you probably know a little bit about since you you work there too, like with the types of questions, is that going to be like a behavioral style question where they say, tell me about a time when you had to solve a problem? Or are they going to say, hey, if you have to solve this problem, what are you going to do in this situation? Which do you think more more of those might show the up. Behavioral. Yeah. So you give an example and talk yourself through the task scenario. <laughs> okay, perfect. So if that's the case and they say, hey, tell me about a time where you had to solve a problem that popped up on short notice and you were successful with it at the end. So just that type of question. So instead of saying one of my strengths is problem solving, a different way that you can go about that is be able to say, well, let me tell you about the time in my last role where I had this particular problem. And, and I got to tell you that one of my favorite things about, about this piece of my previous role was A, B, and C. In this case, it might be getting to interact with people in, in a way that 
I got to understand their problem and I got to understand really what they need and then piece together mm-hmm. a solution that was really individualized to, to them. And I found that every single time I got the opportunity to do that, they were actually pretty happy. Like it, we went from a situation where, where they were quite frankly, not excited at the, at the beginning. And you don't want to use specific times or specific examples. You know, I was, I was talking to Bob about the tree and Bob was telling me that, you know, really after I asked the question, like, Hey, what, how long have you, how long have you lived here? When did you plant the tree? And he was telling me all of this situation. And, and I learned that, that Bob didn't realize that he couldn't plant the tree there. And yeah. if I would have, I'm just making this up on the fly, but if I would have gone down, <laughs> if I would have gone down the road a little bit further and just started telling Bob that he would not like that, he can't plant the tree there without asking all of this to try and understand, then it would have been a terrible situation. And quite frankly, Bob was already irritated and I probably would have made him further irritated. But I love that opportunity to be able to, to understand what's important to people and where they're coming from. And every single time I look at that as an opportunity to be able to learn more about them and then figure out how we can get what we both need. And yeah. after I asked Bob what that was, we were able to talk about it and we figured out a solution and he was actually going to move the tree back five feet. And that worked out really, really well in the end. But I find every time I get the opportunity to have those types of interactions with people and take a situation that would otherwise be bad and really recognize where they're coming from, that those are the things that I do very, very well, but also they're the times where I enjoy it the most. So one of the reasons that I'm excited about this particular role is because I perceive that I get to do more of that. Okay, right. Does that make sense in terms That's of good. an example for how to go through that, but then you relate it to the needs of the other role, and then you also relate it to your particular strengths, not saying that these are my strengths, but these are the things that I enjoy the most, and here's how I'm actually using them. Yep. Now, that was really good, and I was actually able to, while you were speaking, think about how I actually, using my strengths, I find the where the needs of landowners and the council cross and find the compromise that suits us both. Perfect. So I think I'll leverage that, yeah. That is, that is fantastic. So that's one very easy, transferable way to, to talk about your strengths and give people the impression of what your strengths are, but also at the same time, being able to relate it into their world because you're like literally showing them like, Hey, here's, here's the element that I perceive is going to be helpful to you and putting that as a portion of your answer too, so that you're spelling it out for them. But at the same time, you're not tooting your own horn in a way that feels false. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good advice, Scott. Well, I'm glad that it is helpful. How else can I be (laughs) helpful to you? I guess how I feel, we sort of touched on a little little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my current role, I feel like I've been battling with just trying to improve my weaknesses. Yeah. And I guess that's what I found really awakening with doing the strengths finder is no, these are actually strengths which can be perceived as weaknesses in your current role. And I guess that's where, you know, that's your whole thing is that your values or your strengths don't align with what you're doing. But how do you 
balance using using and harnessing your strengths, but also you've got weaknesses and you're going to have to utilize your weaknesses time to time. Like how much do you focus on improving those weaknesses? Yeah, I think that the more time you can spend actually trying to trying to align yourself with your strengths and trying to spend more of your time there, we find that that is going to take you further faster for nearly any goal that you have inside or outside of your career, whether it is other areas of life, whatever else, it's just going to get you further faster. And we've got a lot of data and evidence to support that versus spending really any kind of time at all focusing on bringing up your weaknesses unless it is mm-hmm. to figure out how you're going to giving some thought for how you're going to balance that out in one way or another. Maybe that is, I'm great at this on the team and there's this other person that is great at the other thing. So maybe we can share some of the workload or giving some of that kind of strategic thought. Or in my case, I mean, I do a lot of that on our own individual team because quite frankly, I'm bad at a lot of things based on my strengths mm-hmm. and that's that's okay. But that type of strategic thought is useful around it versus me spending tons and tons and tons of time focused on things that I will probably never be good at. And I don't want to confuse that with skills. So strengths are yeah. different and than I, skills. I guess that's what I've been utilizing in my own team probably the last 12 months is yeah, recognizing what I'm not as good at, which others are, and doing that same thing, delegating those tasks to those people yeah. who enjoy doing those things more and they're better at it, which gives you time to focus more on the other things. And I guess one thing about this job I'm interviewing for, it'd be a real shift because I won't be managing a team. I'll only be working on my own projects, but again, pulling those other people in as experts to, to help. Yeah. But that might require me to utilize some of those shadow strengths a bit more because I'm relying on myself to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. So Mm. prior to, I I think that's a great interview is a great opportunity to find out more about that. Maybe it turns out it's really not a good fit and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think if I'm in your situation, I'd rather know before accepting it versus versus after accepting it. But I think that it's a great opportunity to, since you know some of those things about yourself, to ask for the areas that are of the highest priority for you and ask and try and understand at a deeper level versus a lot of inter- interviews. If you don't ask, then it's going to gloss over it because they don't necessarily know what's important to you. Yeah. And I guess with this job I'm going for, it's about improving things for the community Um, and I would just have to accept that it's not for particular individuals and you're not going to make everyone happy in the community so some people might not like what you're doing and whether I'd be comfortable with that or that just frustrate me long term. Yeah, that would be interesting. I definitely would say a good opportunity for you to learn more about that and maybe even go out and talk to some of the community prior to if they offer you the role or if you decide you can run the role or whatever, like do that as a little bit of an experiment and try and feel out whether that is something that's empowering to you or frustrating to you about some of the issues that you would actually be working on. And that would be a good way to kind of validate that, hey, is this going to be a lift me up type of thing or drag me down type of thing? Yeah, cool. Now that's really helpful. And even if it's just a 
a stepping stone, a different job to develop other skills or yeah, learn new skills two years time or something, take those skills and the whole package and try something else or it might lead to something else. More yeah. fulfilling. Hey, if you love this story where we talk through and walk you through step-by-step how someone got to more meaningful work, then you'll absolutely love our audiobook, Happen to Your Career, An Unconventional Approach to Career Change and Meaningful Work. I even got to narrate it, which was so fun and something that I really enjoy doing and will definitely do for future books as well. But it also contains firsthand accounts from career changers on how they made the move to more meaningful work just like we include on the podcast here. And actually, it's been called the best audiobook experience ever by some reviewers. <laughs> you can find those reviews and the book itself on Audible, Amazon, or any other place where books are sold. Seriously, just pause this right now and go over to Amazon or Audible or wherever you want and download it. You can be reading it and start it on your career change in literally seconds. Now, here's a sneak peek into what's coming up next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. It just goes back to, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. And so by taking this kind of like incremental safe approach to career change and like just career nudges was not yielding me the vision of engaged work. Why does making a career change feel risky to so many people? I mean, I get it. If you're in an organization where the pay is great or the benefits are awesome, or you have the flexibility that you want to continue to have, or maybe even the people are absolutely wonderful and you're afraid of losing all of that. But here's the thing, even if you're not really happy with the job and not really happy with the situation, what goes through so many of our heads is, is it worth taking the risk on a new career and possibly losing all the good parts? But have you ever considered why it feels risky to you? Now, I would argue two things. One, that after doing this many, many years, not just the podcast, but helping thousands of people through career change, we don't typically see that people are losing all the good parts. (laughs) We see that that rarely, rarely ever happens. And instead, I would argue that the far larger risk is the risk of doing nothing and staying for more years of your life in a situation that's no longer good for you. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios, I'm out.